This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yobam was the reason I was a Villa fan, so, you know... Hopefully he was smiling down and, um, you know, he's enjoying, he's enjoying uh, the fact that we've stayed up. he finished a song he'd get on a payphone wherever he was in the country and call me and wake me up and so like he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar you know and that's how i heard this song the first time i always thought this was a real pretty one it's called uh, my old man It's John McGinn finding Grealish. Grealish! Wow! Wow! Stunning! Scintillating! Surviving! Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host for this reaction podcast after the 1-1 against West Ham, which guarantees nails on our Premier League status for the season 2021. Joining me out of Match Club, where we spent uh, a good couple of hours after the game, uh, Mr. Chris Bird, welcome. Hello. Mr. Phil Shaw. Hello. And Mr. Danny Danny Boy Rogers, welcome from the Villa Underground. I'm here. I was somehow still alive after the stress and turmoil of following Aston Villa Football Club. And my goodness me, wasn't it worth it? For an extended season. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Extra months. We got we got our money's worth this time. Absolutely, absolutely. What a and the money back. It's brilliant. Win win. Fantastic. And, and what we wanted. We got what we wanted. We did. That never happens. 
Exactly. So uh, we we stayed up. It was never in doubt, as as Dan Rogers always said, and as Mr. Chris Bird firmly predicted, wait, well before the Arsenal game, even that we would yep. survive with one point. Those arseholes on Talksport tried to mock him with his. Uh, <laughs> Very distinct prediction, but no, 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 no. We we all uh, gathered our uh, horses and carts in a circle and kept our formation and believed. He, Chris Bird had me believing we would stay up by one point, and it and it came to pass. You're Fantastic welcome. stuff. You are welcome. I thought I thought as that game was playing out that this is going to be a nil nil job, and then yeah. Gre- Grealish pops up. Well, let's 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 go back earlier. I, I said. Uh, on Match Club, probably the best first goal scenario of the six teams involved in the relegation games would be Arsenal scoring first because suddenly Watford would need two goals just to have any chance, really, of uh, getting back into this. So that would nullify them straight away. But also in the wider context, they toughed it out and uh, were hard to break down. Then uh, that game could uh, go on a bit longer, and the longer it went on, they would get themselves into it. Well, if Arsenal scored early then that would have to open up the game and then Watford would be uh, open up to what Arsenal do best and that's how it played out and Arsenal was soon 3-0 up so that was one team out of the equation the other problem was Bournemouth were bang up for the uh, Everton game as you know as I always thought they would be a th- threat the big news was was when Southampton beat them that I wouldn't have been surprised if Bournemouth won their last two games but uh, anyway that, you got to get the results or you're going down so they were very much alive and they went 1-0 up then it was one all and then they got their noses in front again and it only looked like there was ever going to be one winner so Villa were in a situation with Watford deflated and they were playing like they were playing for the draw at times and it but it looked like it was going to be nil nil all, all the way what, what what was your feelings to say first half as it was kind of panning out? I think our game plan was correct. It was just sort of ease yourself into the game, get a measure of where West Ham are at, of which you could say they, they weren't necessarily on the beach, but they were certainly packing their case. I think there was a real lack of intensity from West Ham, which probably played into our hands. And we showed moments where, you know, if we if we could have gone through the gears and been a bit braver, we could have hurt them more. But I was I was relatively content at nil nil at half time, to be honest. Bar the obviously the the big Antonio miss. Yeah, Phil, how how how, how was you uh, in terms of uh, gut feeling how it was going early doors? As Chris said, there it was a case where you don't go out and you don't go all guns blazing and possibly end up one or two down. Feel your way into the game and just see what the other results are like at half time. I mean, Dean Smith, you know he. He played it well there. He just kept everything calm. And as long as you're still in it at halftime, reassess again, then see what we need to do in the second half. Yeah, I think I said uh, to Chris, or in Match Club at halftime, that it that it smelt a bit like uh, when we played Middlesbrough in the second leg of that playoff uh, when Steve Bruce was in charge of the nil-nil, where Villa weren't actually going, really going for it. and you could, But it suited us. We didn't actually have to break a leg in this uh, at that time. The only threat was Bournemouth, and and in terms of Bournemouth's relevancy, it was like we just made have to make sure that West Ham weren't going to score. And when you get in the back of your mind that we limited Arsenal to zero shots on target, you always thought, well, we, Dean Smith has now created a scenario where this team can pull off a nil-nil if it wants it. Did you feel, did you get edgy, Mr. Rogers, that uh, we could see it out? Uh, I got edgy. I mean, we were talking about the early portion of the game, I suppose, is that we, we, we were a bit cagey to begin with. But I do think that's because we were, for different reasons to West Ham, I think West Ham were, were sat back a little bit more. But they, I thought the first half was was a case of two 
missed great missed opportunities. The first one, obviously, being Antonio, who having scored eight goals since restart. We haven't had much chance to to really look at it, but I think Rayner needs a lot of credit. He really does close down the angles um, when when he gets through. But the other miss, big miss chance of the first half was, of course, Grealish's. So McGinn squares it. Hurahan does a deft little flick. And Grealish, um, I think, trying to, to, again, perhaps deftly curl it into the far corner ends up uh, passing the ball back to the, to Fabianski rather than uh, hitting the back of the net. I, I think that we our game plan seemed to be to get to half-time in good shape and not do anything stupid. Um, and I think that what that did is it gave us a good platform because after the break, we immediately, our, our game plan shifted that we were on the, we were on the offensive um, almost from the kickoff. Yeah, I made a joke at half-time that Terry had told them uh, that Watford were 3-0 up at half-time. And it was, <laughs> yes. it, was a, it was a bit of a different villa that came out in the second half. But I think you're absolutely right in terms of don't do anything silly. We're in, you know, we're in pole position. So priority here is do not concede as opposed to, you know, needing to go out and try to get ahead because we didn't need to at that point in time. Uh, just jump. Let's not waste time talking about the game because no. it's more of what it what it actually means. I made a joke at halftime. I think what's up, you two? Where, and I said, uh, imagine if Grealish scored an own goal in this scenario, and uh, that seemed to summon him up as a response. He scored, but then he did score an own goal of sorts within about thirty seconds. As it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I was joking in match club afterwards that that it was it was classic Villa, really. That that you know the your marquee boyhood Villa fan player goes and spanks one into the back of the net in in I mean it couldn't have been much better really and all, all of the agony that led up to the and the anguish and anxiety up to the 84th minute to see that hit the back of the net was momentarily replaced with ap- complete calm in my life at least and and before I'd even had a chance to send a tweet or check a text I I, I sort of sat back in my chair as probably many people did and thought oh I know where this ricocheted looping ridiculous fluky ball's going as it sailed over Rainer's head it, it just had to happen to Villa and it had to happen at that moment didn't it it was uh it was a Hollywood moment yeah, I mean, you might as well have had VAR rule out uh, Grealish's initial goal. It was the same uh, <laughs> yes. same impact. Chris Bird, shades of the World Cup semi-final, England, Germany, Shilton. Do you think Rayner could have done better, or I think he's unlucky. Maybe if he's a you know a few years younger, his his feet move a little bit quicker, and he maybe gets there. He nearly gets a fingertip to it. I think he's just unlucky, really. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> West Ham's keeper should definitely do better for Jack's goal. You know, he hits it well, but his his hands are there. When you get there, you should save that, really, but. We'll take the goal. Thanks very much. It, it was kind of quite central, didn't it? It yeah. wasn't like it was like tucked away in the corner. Especially when you saw the the shot from the, the sort of behind the goal angle. You, yeah. you do see it from the rear, and I'd say the only thing in I mean I don't care whether to, I don't care to defend Fabianski or not really, but it, it, Jack cleverly shifts the ball slightly to the left, and the and the shot comes around. He hits through yeah. the ball. Yeah, and the ball, the ball. I don't think Fafianski is expecting the strike. To be honest, that no, there's no back. If you look at it, there's no back lift from. Yeah. Really. It's almost like how Fowler used to hit shots. And, he's, he's got the shot away very quickly once yeah. he gets into position. And you see the West Ham keeper almost preempting a shot to his left, and it goes over him on the slightly to the right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, just to defend Rayner, what I would say is he. When you look at the reverse angle of him trying to get back, he he is set up for the strike. So as the yeah. ball, he's set predicting the guy who's going to cut across Grealish, as he does. But, of course, it loops off Grealish's shin in such a... With all of the pace, because the guy the guy does ping it. Um, I mean, the only thing I was going to say, really, we don't need to dwell too much, is that it, 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 I thought that there were some really subtle, subtly important performances. I thought Luis was, was outstanding. I thought Trezeguet ran until he couldn't run anymore. And I thought McGinn had his most energetic display as well. 
there was some real um they, they gave everything and, and i don't think that that I, I can fault the last few performances but particularly they really needed to dig in today and, and they they got the result they needed um i mean the the outcome is 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 that we've against all odds you know this podcast documented it for many many weeks and months that you know, we, we've been we've looked at things objectively, um, but I think that we've come from you know if you, our odds of survival have been slim, and we've come from uh, you know we were dead and buried a couple of weeks ago. And th- this turnaround is is a remarkable opportunity now for Villa to kick on. Yeah, four four games to go. We were seven points cut off the safety zone by seven points, which uh, it doesn't take a mathematician to work out that that's pretty much dead and buried. So uh, the uh, the upshot, the turnaround has been uh, pretty much sensational. I mean. When lockdown came in, and what was it, twenty nine games most teams had played. Leicester, mm-hmm. when they when they got first promoted after twenty nine games, were nine points uh, cut off at the bottom of the league, and then they went on to uh, stay up in that season and then win the league in the next season. So we're hoping uh, maybe not for exactly the same uh, transition uh, next season, but that gives you an indication on how you do kick on. And uh, the big thing in that first season is staying up. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, as long as we finish 17th, as long as we finish 17th. And, you know, nobody finishes 17th, as I keep saying, by playing amazing football, beating teams, scoring loads of goals. You, you, kind of do go through hell and back and we literally got our asses you know we got our asses burnt in hell but we've still managed to uh, get out of that situation uh interesting stat going into the game was i think the last team to escape relegation having been in the relegation zone going into the last game of the season that was wigan in 2011 so that suggested we were perhaps a little safer than we uh first thought it's not something that happens all the time. It just reminded me of the the last time the the Brian Little's first half season when he kept us up. I mean, I remember watching was it fancy football the, the night before and Skinner was going in hard being a Baggies fan and just the the, the Villa like you said it had done like the heavy lifting the week before and then they really just had to do a professional job in the last day and it yeah. was sort of, sort of the same feeling again. Yeah. Agreed. Yes, uh, the situation was precarious, but it wasn't. We were in a position going into the last, let's say, in the last 10 minutes where it didn't really matter what happened in other games. It couldn't really affect us. We knew Watford were, you know, they were, they were down and they would need to score two goals in the you know last five minutes, which considering they'd come back already, uh, it, you know, it was a bit far-fetched. And Bournemouth, you know, they couldn't do any more to hurt us. It was all on this one game of ours. And because the pace was, it wasn't like we were being peppered. They weren't, you know, attacking us desperate to, uh, to beat us. So there was that kind of, uh, I think there was almost like a bit of an anticlimax to the, to the emotional ringer we could have gone through, if I want to put it that way. Yeah, we, we could have had to go into the last day having to chase. We didn't really. It was more about just hold it together, which we did. Yeah, I mean, if Watford had gone ahead and then you're talking about a whole whole world of pain in that last 10 minutes. I mean, can you imagine Grealish scoring and you go, right, we're staying up and then within 30 seconds that goes off his ass, goes See, in and then... <laughs> Villa, wouldn't it? That, that would be that would be too much. But anyway, we don't have to think about that. That was just looking no. at parallel universes. There. I shouldn't be really, should I? So anyway, let's let's talk about the implications. We've just been watching some of the celebration videos at Perth Slow going absolutely mad. 
realizing that he's still in a job and has lots of money, uh, probably on a massive bonus. Roy Keane, not too happy about the uh, celebrations, thinking we should be above that. I think when you're seven points off four games to go and it's looking dead and you you look at the bigger picture and the ramifications for what happens to this club when it goes into the championship having just popped up and thinking that it's out of the uh you know out of the fire so to speak yeah it, it's it is relief and warranted absolutely i mean it's it's really simple for me that we went down in in much much worse shape than i think that we would have gone down um as we went down sorry in 2016 but the point was that was still a painfully long, drawn-out three years of, of um, irrelevant of the excitement of the championship and yada, yada, yada. It's, uh, it's not the division where the vast majority, there's no interest in it beyond people who are in the championship. No. It's not the stage that Aston Villa wants to be on. And you run the risk of becoming um, irrelevant. And I think that Leeds fans are in for a shock because 16 years is a long time adrift. And that's the worst side of it, that you can be adrift for that long. Um, but the golf for Aston Villa coming back into the Premier League, it's taken us until the last five minutes of our Premier League st- season to drag ourselves to safety with all of the resource, all of the heritage, everything else that comes with being an inverted commas big club. And we only just did it. Um, the, the prospect of getting relegated and going through any of that again, I mean, it, it can't be underestimated. I don't agree with Keane. You know, you, you celebrate your things. You don't, we don't need an open bus ride and we don't need to trash our city like Leeds did and others, you know, like, like that, that Liverpool. But we do need to celebrate the fact that this is a milestone for us. It's the next step, isn't it? As we said before, so yeah. it was a crossroads game potentially and it's the first step towards um, consolidation, I suppose. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, well, it's in, it's 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 for the, you know, it's, it's for the transition to begin in uh, truth. Uh, it kind of deviates you away from being one of these yo-yo clubs. Yeah. Let's say the Baggies, Middlesbroughs, you know, those kind of teams that you expect to be in the Premier League one or two seasons and they pop back down and they'll pop back up in a couple more years. And, you know, they... It is a almost like a genre of club. 
Yeah, it's 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 another sliding doors moment for us there. We've, yeah. we've had plenty of them over the last four or five years, but hopefully this is one we can look back on and say, imagine we've been on the other side of the door, it would have been a disaster. And also, I think it's it is a reality check to a certain, I wouldn't say smugness, but maybe a little bit of a overconfidence because you know Christian Perslow was saying that uh, we're going to have a fantastic season and we're not going to Manchester City to play for a nil-nil draw, and a lot of people are going to be surprised outside of Villa. You can come out with bold words and you know he's the first person to say judge me by my actions and not my words but it's when you're re-overhauling a team like that and also you know with the strategy of we're buying players for the future so the value will go up if we got relegated those players we wouldn't be seeing the money come back from them because they were meant to be establishing themselves and boosting their value in the Premier League and learning the Premier League as they go along you know like your Conzas and your Louises were you know getting better by almost by game uh, in the restart period we've got we've got a lot better quickly haven't we and a lot smarter yeah, we were just lacking in terms of our recruitment, in terms of our plan, and we were we were lacking in the here and now. It's kind of sound in terms of theory long termly, because maybe you'll get more back for a Konza if if he turns into this elite centre back. But you've got relegated, you're not gonna get your money back from Mings, I don't think. No. Grealish, you're not gonna get as much back if he if he was to go than if he was a Premier League player too than if if, if he was a championship player. Well, you're immediately no longer back in you know, I think football teams of, of our ilk and we're we're always in a state of some form of transition. But you know we we've now avoided um a wholesale turnover in terms of our first team squad. And that's a combination of things, isn't it? That's people picking over the bones. But actually, the, losing losing what I I felt, and I think that I mean I can't speak for everyone, but I think that we broadly agree that there's a there's a spine of a team or a core group of players that can be built upon there. Yeah, uh, and I think that now that we we are we've got a fantastic opportunity to build around to three or four of them. I don't I obviously admit one person because there's a huge question mark over the free, over the the future of Grealish, and I, and I won't do what the local rag has done and immediately put a transfer. Uh, certainty link out the second that Villa retained survival because I think that's a, a shithousery of the highest order. Well, it's just cunty. Yeah, they're just clickbait merchants, and they've got no they've got no desire to see a local a local the local club do well and the local boy do well. Well, exactly. I, I think that you know, without wanting to sound like Kevin Keegan, I, I would love it if if our owners could through make some statement of intent to demonstrate to Grealish that his future lies at Aston Villa. On the other side, I would completely understand if if presented with the opportunity to be if, if playing first team football by the way or elsewhere and winning trophies, I understand that. But I think that, you know, if you given the outcome that we've had today against West Ham and that we've survived, it for the first time gives us the opportunity perhaps to discuss with Grealish what what our genuine Premier League intent is. Now that's ambitious and it could be that his mind is already made and that's a decision for him ultimately. But I, I, there's, there is a, there is an opportunity where there wasn't previously to, to do something and I don't think it's all about money by the way. I agree with that. Just to open up a, a, a train of conversation, I think Villa approved next season with or without Grealish so if he leaves, I think we're still going on an upward uh, curve. But in terms of where does he go if he goes, I think there's only two teams that offer him. Uh, in terms of, I think Villa will improve next season. Uh, as we've seen transition seasons before, the next season after can be dramatically different. So the only two teams, that I, in my opinion, uh, that have any certainty of being powerhouses are Liverpool and Manchester City. 
can he get in those teams, play regular? You know, that's up to the manager of those teams and, and obviously Grealish. Manchester United, Spurs, Arsenal's, these are teams still very much at Chelsea. They're in a kind of transition period that Villa, if if they have, you know, owners that really want to do something, we can catch up with those teams. It's not so far away. We can do what Leicester did. So I don't if you know, if he was joining Manchester United, are they a surefire bet to be bringing him silverware in the next year or so? I'm not too sure. I mean, they, they've got a big defence to sort out. They've got a keeper who's all over the shop. I, I think they're a season away. Any of those teams are a season away from getting anywhere near challenging again. It depends if he, if he feels he wants to be playing in the Champions League, if that's his next step, or if it's the next step he's playing for England. That's debatable. I think what the interesting position, as we discussed the previous couple of pods, is that now we've gone down the positive path at this crossroads is the players have done their job. They get their two, three, however many weeks off they get now. Now the attention turns to the ownership, the CEO, the behind-the-scenes guys who you know they can in, they can enjoy their evening, and I'm sure they will, but they will sit down and go, right, firstly, how do we make sure that this doesn't happen again, which was probably the same conversation as they would have had after the player final. You know, We've dodged a bullet last year. We've dodged another bullet this year. Now we need to, A, consolidate, and B, push on and build a sustainable future. And then in terms of Jack, it will be, do, do you want to offer him a, a bumper contract? You know, you're in, if, if you can consolidate, you are in a position to probably make him your first 100 grand a week player if money is the option. I don't necessarily think it is. With Answer me this, Bud. Answer me this straight up. From what we saw in the restart, is he worth 100 grand a week? In the right team, yes. No, for, for Villa. In the right Villa team, yes. I don't think I don't think he's shown that. I think this is still the hype talking. What what has he done to warrant that amount of money? And I'm not playing devil's advocate. I'm being kind of straight up. I look at it over a body of work over the course of a season. Though. Yeah, I am. Who's been our talisman over 38 games? But I'll extend it to the whole of the season, and I'll also say what kind of talisman that you know we end up with 35 points is not is not as if. I'm thinking you said it yourself. It's not as if other fans are going, wow, that, you know, Villa weren't that great, but he, you know, he's pulled them out and scored 20 goals and, you know, pulled them out of that situation and carried the whole team on his back. I don't think he has really. He hasn't, he hasn't done what you would say Letizia did for 10 years at Southampton. No, I mean like, you know, David Platt scored 20 goals a season in consecutive seasons playing from midfield for Villa. And when you look at some of the players in that team, you're like your Ullman droids, your Olnies, it's like, wasn't like a blockbusting team that finished second and what also, like? you know, got promoted. He, he was, it's another level. It's just because of the hype machine and the media cycle that has to write hundreds of articles about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I, and I think that, I do think there's another level to Grealish that because of our, I think the lack of consistent quality around him, I think that, and the fact that he is our focal, the focal point of our team, I do think that that, that causes something. I think if you to say to me, who's the marquee player that we should wrap in cotton wool and not let anyone near, it's Douglas Luiz. I think that if you to say a player that's carried us through, those, especially those early weeks of lockdown, uh, post-lockdown, which player had the drive and had the upward trajectory in terms of form and desire and... Yeah, some of the things that if you took if you took the name away, you say, "Oh, you're talking about Grealish," but he's got a range of passing, passing, uh, a will to win, and a and I think that, that the makings of a top top Premier League midfielder for me, Grealish's role is actually quite confused at Villa. Um, if 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 by some miracle we retain him, I think that you've got to go out and you've got to get at least another marquee player to put alongside him, as much to take the pressure off him. 
but actually to say, do you know what, these these are what these are the things you're really really good at, so that you don't have to try and be brilliant in some of the things you're not. I'd agree with that. I think I think yeah, he needs when he's talking about bringing another marquee player to take the pressure off him. That's a bit of a generalization. He needs a marquee player to play with him and actually make him be what he what he wants to be. I think a fit firing McGinn helps as well. I think you saw that today. Him with you, know, you, you saw ninety minutes of McGinn energy, if not all of the end product, but you saw what McGinn can do. Ultimately, you, you judge, I mean, the game today is a singular thing. You know, you're judging it against a West Ham team who were, you know, what, they finished 15th, 16th, and, you know, are not the best you're going to come up against. And they weren't, by any means, you know, uh, playing with any intensity today. But I, but I but I agree. I think you do need to, you're going to go and you're going to have to get Jack a foil or a, a, another partner. I think there, there, there's, there's the makings of lots of little partnerships in the team, but I do think you're going to need another player in that ilk or of that level, which is a very difficult bit of business to do in the position Villa Arena, unless you throw a huge amount of money at it or get very savvy. Dan mentioned the word pressure. It's, it's to also take the narrative away that he is our, you know, main man, blah, blah, blah. So like, You've got another player which takes a bit of the the focus off, but you but Grealish in his own mind can can think well the pressure's not all on me because if this other guy uh, has a good game we'll we'll win so it, it's almost like he's mm-hmm. the, the burden has been lifted so to speak yeah one last thing I'd say on Grealish is he sort of needs to know what his position is because he's a sort of floating player at the minute if he goes to say Man City for argument's sake. He'll be, instead of getting 50, 60 touches a game, he'll get 10. So he has 10 touches to actually do something with out in the, maybe in the left wing. So, you know, it's a real, it's a decision for him to make as well. I mean, does he back himself to be able to change the game in 10 touches or not? I, th- I think he'll be able to, you know, if he went to Manchester City, uh, he'd be able to look good with, you know, 10 touches a game. I mean, he'd have more than that, but it would be easier for, for him. I think it'd be really interesting to see him playing in a team like that that plays at tempo. Yeah, but anyway, enough enough of uh, Mr. Grealish. I think across the board, it's uh, one thing as a supporter you should learn is none of these players really lived up to this superhero status that they've received through all this club social media, from all the local press, all these like kind of hero articles. At the end of the day, they were a team that finished on thirty-five points. We got away with it this time. But it's a chance to reappraise and evaluate what standards they should be at to get Villa to where they want to be. I mean, at the start of lockdown, we had Conor Horahan almost saying that this, you know, this team isn't really good enough to have a player like Grealish or whatever. But Grealish wasn't actually playing at the level that I thought Villa needs to be at. So it's there's a kind of a disparity what the players actually think. And, you know, you could say, oh, Villa fans with entitlement, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you don't get super millionaire, billionaire owners and not want to actually do something. And, you know, other teams have proven that, you you know, your Wolves, your Leicester, it's not that hard to get in the mix because there's a lot of teams in disarray at the moment. They're not the end product. So what we've created uh, by staying up is, is a great opportunity to uh, really kick on. And that's the exciting thing about next season and beyond. I think that's probably the word, David, to take forward, isn't it? Now it's you can actually put the season behind us now, and the and it's the big thing of opportunity. Yeah, it opens up opportunities to be ambitious. It's going to be opportunity and ambition are probably going to be the key words, you know, through now till October and the end of the transfer window. Is now you've got the opportunity to really flex your financial muscles, especially with the the FFP 
relaxations. Yeah. Any closing statements from anybody? This was just a reaction show. If you want to listen to our and Mr. Bud's uh, prediction of us staying up by one point and the full show experience and underrated and overrated, please do go to uh, episode 110. Uh, also, uh, please do, if you want to support the show and also join Match Club, which will continue um, through pre-season and, and onwards, please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link to find out more about uh, what that is all about. Uh, any closing statements? Yes, this must be what it feels like to be on death row for years, and then all of a sudden, just in the last week, you get a pardon. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, well, it was literally a relegation row. And I, I just finish off by saying that from you know from all of the bad news, all of the COVID backdrop, um, all of the, the the correct and rightful scrutiny of the league resuming, the dreadful position we found ourselves in, and all of the things that came with it. What a you know, this is a real good news story for for Villa and and uh, for us as supporters as well. That I think that we can you know we can we can learn from this and we can we can go forward hopefully and i'm weirdly looking forward to next season roll on roll on the 12th of september yeah hey, hey. dare i say we have a bit of resolve and character about the team now this is something we've gained from uh, a a 10 10 game winning run last season and uh, the fact that we survived and formed a backbone in a time where others crumbled around us I mean, my parting gift will be, you know, let's you know enjoy the celebrations briefly, but then the the debrief and the post mortem begins instantly as well. And as Dan said, there's lessons to be learned; they have to be learned from. But what an opportunity now! It's all about opportunities, and we've created a platform for them. So uh, do enjoy your week ahead, and uh, we will be back with a fuller show uh, in due course. But until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. 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 days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.